He knows our hearts. He knows our feet. And um, it's just important for us to, to talk about this with you guys. So we're going to talk about it today. And, uh, you know, let's just pray before we get into it. Holy Spirit, you are here, God. We thank you for just being so amazing to us, Lord, in our time of worship. Thank you for rejoicing with us. Thank you for, for partnering with us, God. And, and, and just thank you for the love that you just pour over us, God, during our, our time with you, God, and our time with each other, God. We thank you, Lord. We, we praise you. We honor you. You are amazing, God. You are, you are everything that we need, Father. Everything that we need is found in you, Lord. You, you guide us. You, you move us, Lord. You teach us. And for that, God, we just we honor you and praise you. Father, I ask that you would just give us the words, God. Give us wisdom today to, to give these words, God, that you have to give, Lord. To speak to your church, God. To speak to our hearts, Lord. And for those that would listen to this on, on the podcast, Father, that, um, that you would speak to them through this as well, God. And we just, we just thank you, God. Guide our words, Father. Guide this, this service. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So Mario and I are both going to talk about this with you guys. I, I have some things that I want to say, and, and so does he. So we're both going to, you, you get a double, uh, a double team today. <clears throat> so you're going to hear from me, and you're going to hear from him. Fortunately or unfortunately, I have the privilege of going first. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's awesome. So let's just get into this. Um, this week has been tough. How many of you guys will agree with that? Yeah. It's been a tough week. It's been, and I, I'm going to get emotional about it because there's emotions involved, and that's okay. It, it's been a really tough week to see these things happen and um, to just, you know, just, just, be a part of this society right now where these things are, are happening and we have all these questions, we have these emotions, and we think, God, you know, why, why, are, why are these things happening? You know, why, are, why is there so much hate? Why is, why is there so much division and, and confusion? And, and in my time with him, because what I did with this, and I know that this isn't new, you know, I know that this has been going on, you know, we as a church, we can't, we can't be, for a lack of a better word, we can't be ignorant to these things. We cannot not speak about them, but we need to speak about them in, in the right way. Um, and so I, I asked God, you know, God, what's, what's going on? Like, what's happening? And as I just kind of went deeper and deeper with him um, and expressed to him, I heard, you know, I saw, I saw everything that was put out this week and um, I just, I, I poured my heart out to him. And his, his answer to me is a very obvious answer that I believe we all know and we, we all can say. And his answer to me was, the society, this world, like you, you need to involve me in it. You guys need me in your lives, like this world needs me to be in the, in the mix of things. Because when we take God out of these situations, it just, it, it doesn't really help anything. He is the one that has the answers, amen? Yeah. 
many, um, it, it's tough nowadays to not be um, involved in social media, to, to stay away from it. It's, it's, it's a bit difficult to escape it and to not see what's out there. And, you know, I saw many leaders express that prayer may not be enough. And I get where they're coming from. Unfortunately, because of just what we've been cultivating in this world, tragedies have been reduced, reduced to hashtags. Pray for Paris, pray for Mexico, pray for Thailand, pray for this, pray for that. And it becomes a, a social awareness or a, um, like trying to be connected in some way or trying to kind of just stay on top of things. And, and I don't know if, if people that, that are putting that out there are actually praying. Like, I don't know if we're really, really praying about these things and for these people. And because you have a mass group of people just putting out there, pray for this, pray for that, because it's the, the thing to do, what happens is that we, we dilute prayer and the importance and the impact that it has. We make it seem just like another, another word to say or, or just something to fill in the blank or, or just so we don't remain silent. It's, some, it's a word to throw out there, but are we really praying? And I believe that it's because of these things, because tragedies have been reduced to hashtags that people don't take prayer seriously and they don't see the impact of it. But if we think about it, prayer, prayer saved us. Through prayer, we are born again. Through prayer, we are redeemed of all of our past, present, and future sins. Through prayer, we can be healed. Through prayer, the dead rise. We don't see that as much here, but you see it in other countries where people pray over dead bodies and these people come back. So prayer is powerful. We cannot neglect the power of prayer because it's extremely powerful. And we as a church, we need to seriously pray. We need to pray. We can't just, like, we, we can't just not pray. We can't just say we're going to pray and not pray. We have to pray about these things. We, you all have to care. We have to care. Not just on a social post or on, on a status, but in, in life, in real life, we, we need to care. The Bible calls us to care. It calls us to mourn with those who are mourning. And it is, it is our responsibility to mourn with those who mourn and empathize and understand them. And if we don't understand them, seek someone out that can explain these things to us. I think I went off a little bit there. <laughs> but we need to pray and we need to share God. I feel like as a church, we can no longer keep the blessing that we have here just here. We're, we're, not, we're not helping anything. We need to go out. We've said this so many times that we need to go out and we need to, we need to share Jesus with everybody with everyone, with your neighbor, with your family, with your coworkers, with everyone. We need to bring Jesus back into the mix because without him in the mix, there's no wisdom. There's no true direction. 
Our culture and our society are kind of messed up right now. They really are. We have this tolerance of violence. We have this, this tolerance of violence that is only, we're only becoming more tolerant of it. It's being, it's being given to us or fed to us through music, through TV and movies, through video games. We're, we're, we're being fed violence as entertainment. And we're, allo we're allowing violence to now entertain us. The music that we listen to is not good sometimes. The music that the world listens to is not good sometimes. This music doesn't help anything. Music that objectifies women, music that promotes violence, music that glorifies sex and drugs, this type of music doesn't help. And it's this very music sometimes that creates this tolerance in us, that expands this tolerance that we have in us for all of these things happening. Because we're becoming used to it, we're becoming comfortable with the fact that it's just the way things are. We have movies and, and TV shows that, that have so much violence in it. I myself have found myself watching uh, a movie at the theater, and if you've ever watched a movie with me, you'll understand where I'm coming from. I really get into movies, like I, I get into them. And I have found myself when it's a villain and a hero and the villain and the hero has to kill the villain to save the day in my heart. Sometimes even I say it out loud, but I, but I say, yes, kill him, yeah, kill him, come on, get him. And I, I stop myself and I think, holy crap. Like I'm really feeling this in my heart. In my heart right now, I'm really wanting this character to kill this other character. And that's not good. It's not good. How can, how can we value life when what entertains us is the killing of lives? We're so messed up. Entertainment cannot be violence for us. We cannot be entertained by violence. Therefore, we cannot entertain violence. Jesus was not violent. He's a prime example of it. He wasn't violent. He was ridiculed, he was whipped, he was beaten, he, and, and he didn't like fight back. Because he knew and he was trying to teach us that it's not in violence. I feel like technology also, technology is really good, but it can also be very bad. I feel like technology has become the all-seeing eye. We have all of this, this, this footage that we're exposed to. And it's crazy because it's, it, it, it's, it's tough to measure it. Because in, in one extreme, we're now exposed to so much raw footage. So much raw footage that perhaps doesn't have a whole narrative sometimes. So much raw footage that for some, doesn't provide clarity. So much raw footage that sometimes stirs up our emotions and it causes us to react without putting God into our reactions or, 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 or measuring our emotions through what the Lord says or what the Bible says. And on the other hand, we have media and news outlets who try to control what we watch by, by, by pushing an agenda for us. So it's like, where do we win? How do we, how do we pick a side? 
And it's almost like, it's, it's, it's a polarization of things. It's either black or white. It's either you're with us or you're against us. If, if you don't wholly agree, then you don't agree with at all. And it can't be like that. A while ago, I, um, I had this sermon called An Unfair God. And in this sermon, I talked to you guys about how God is unfair. He is. In, 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 in our perception, as we understand fairness, God is very unfair. And he calls us to do unfair things. But in his perception, he is very sovereign and very just and a very righteous judge. Amen. Because our, our, our measure, our perception of fairness can be biased. It can be very emotional. But his, his is not. He sees everything. And because he sees everything, he's able to judge fairly. But his fairness sometimes does not, um, does not translate to, to what we see as fairness. So I want to go to the Bible with you guys. If you guys can join me. We're going to go to uh, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verse 43 through 48. I'm going to be reading um, the New King James. So Matthew 5, 43. Do you guys have it? Amen. It says... You have, heard the, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Applying these verses to what's going on today doesn't seem like it goes. It doesn't seem like we can just say, Matthew 5, 43 through 48, live that out. Because it's, it's, it's an unfair thing to us, what he's asking us to do. But he's asking us to do it. So it's, for me, I want to choose to do this. I want to choose to not only love those that love me back, but love those that hate me. I was talking to somebody this week, and uh, we were both having this discussion, and it was interesting. Like, it was really interesting to hear this person's perspective and this person's thoughts, and, you know, we talked about, um, the BLM, which is Black Lives Matter, and we talked about uh, All Lives Matter. And, uh, you know, this person was voicing, you know, what the All Lives Matter movement makes him feel. 
And uh, this person was explaining how, you know, when we say all lives matter in a response to when people say black lives matter, we say that all lives suffer the same fate or suffer the same oppression or go through the same struggles and issues. So when, when someone in response to, to Black Lives Matter, when someone responds to All Lives Matter, it makes it seem like we don't care about the oppression that minorities and African Americans are suffering. And I, when, when I was hearing this person talk about these things, I totally agreed with them. And I said, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, we need to, we need to mourn, we need to be, be um, empathetic, we need to make that struggle like it's our own struggle. Because when you're hurting, I should be hurting too. Because I love you, I, I, we sh we're supposed to love each other. And with that, we should understand, we should love, we should be moved. But to Jesus, he died for both the oppressed and the oppressors. Jesus died for the people that grew up in the projects and you know had to collect food stamps or you know people like me for example, my family who 20 of us Mexicans lived in one house because that's what we can afford. And he loves a person that perhaps grew up in, in, in a privileged way, in a big house with unlimited resources, with, with the ability to go to private schools and become very educated in those things and, and, and have fancy things that perhaps these people, including myself, didn't have. Jesus loves both. Jesus even loves a racist rapist. He even loves them. He wants to touch everybody. He wants to impact the victims and the oppressors. He came to die for us all. To him, just life matters. He cares about the life that we lead. And he cares about what we're doing with the life that he's given us with, with, with this grace that we have. He cares about those things. He wants us both to be in relationship with him. He wants us both to know him. Because by knowing him, knowing him will help us know each other and understand each other and love one another. It is by that. It is by knowing Jesus that we're able to put our differences aside and love one another the way that he calls us to love each other. It's not by excluding him. Politics can't fix everything. An activist movement can't fix everything. Because we as humans, we don't have answers. We're imperfect beings living in an imperfect system. How can imperfect people give a perfect solution? It has to come from the perfect being. It has to come from Jesus. But we can't, we can't spill that out into the world in cases like these. Without, without living it, without backing up, just empty, like, just kind of empty, not emptily, that's not a word, but just throwing it out there just like that. We can't just say, God is going to solve this, and then everybody's going to understand what that means. 
If we're gonna do that, then just don't do anything. Because you're not doing anything. We're not doing anything by saying, I'll pray for you. By just saying, I'll do this, with not, with, without the actions to back them up. We have to really be moved by this, to love one another. And if we can take anything from this, is to, is to love harder, love stronger, let love abound even more, because that's what we need. Some people are killing outwardly, and some people are killing inwardly. Because Jesus says that if we hate, hating alone is already murder in our hearts. So we cannot be moved to hate. We cannot be moved to dislike. Even the person that is justly hateable and, and dislikable, we need to really be moved. And I think, I think really living that, that will make a greater impact than just us saying we'll pray and adding to the hashtag. Just like the people in Charleston. I don't know if you guys remember that video that we showed here. This, this, this Caucasian young man came into an African-American church, participated in their Bible study, and somewhere in the middle of that, he killed these people. Now the victims of this, this family, they went to court, and with the man watching, they said, I forgive you. And some of them while saying, I forgive you, also talked to, talk to the man about Jesus. I remember one man was saying, I forgive you, but give your life to the Lord. Give your life to Jesus. That impacted a lot of people. I don't know if you guys remember, but that impacted so many people. And again, it seems unfair to do that. I'm not saying that we allow the oppressor to keep oppressing us. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's okay that we speak and we say what you're doing is wrong. But at the same time, we need to give them a solution. We can't just add to the problem. There's no point to adding to the problem. The problem's already there. There's no point in adding to it. Our job as the church is to give the solution, to show the, sh the solution. That's our job. This doesn't make us ignorant Christians. I'm not an ignorant Christian because I'm saying that Jesus is is the solution. I'm coming from a perspective where I know that there is nothing too big for God. If, I, if, if I'm living in this moment, if anyone's living in this moment and says that God doesn't care about this or, or, or this isn't a problem for the Lord, then they need to really, they need guidance. They need someone to, to hold on to them and say, no, look, God, God loves you. God cares for you. Let me teach you what I've learned. Let me share this love with you. We are not ignorant in saying that Jesus is a solution. But we seem like fools if we don't back that up. Okay, that's my piece. So now my husband's gonna, gonna share something. And, uh, sorry, <laughs> before, um, he comes up, I just, I hope that you guys understand my heart. I really truly do hope that you all understand where I'm coming from. I truly and wholeheartedly believe that this world needs Jesus. 
This world needs the Holy Spirit. He is our healer. And who better to heal our land than him? You can turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. I'd like to start there with us this afternoon. We're going to read in verse 18. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, you have it? It says, Jesus speaking here, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Let me read that one more time, please. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I want you to know one thing, and I've said this quite often, God is not worried. He has no fear. He is calm. He is cool as a cucumber. Amen. He is with no doubt. He has no worry. He is calm. He is good. Amen. So his people should be also. Now, easily we can get caught up in the emotion. Uh, we can get caught up in the media, on Twitter, on Facebook. We can get caught up with everything on both sides. Our job is not to pick sides. We already picked it. Well, he really picked us. But we are on the side of the kingdom. We're on the side of Jesus. And God is calling us here. Uh, Jesus is coming from being tempted uh, with the, the, in the wilderness from Satan. He's coming from that and he goes to Nazareth. Now in Nazareth is, is the place where he was raised they didn't really accept him. They didn't really believe him. They said, isn't that the son of Joseph, the carpenter? They didn't really believe who Jesus was. So Jesus enters into the temple, into the synagogue in that city, and he asked the assistant to pull out the scroll to give him the book of Isaiah, and this is what he quotes. And after he quotes this, he says that this, this word that he just read has been fulfilled in him that day. And this is the... This is the mission of Jesus, and it should be our mission as well. It should be our goal. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now, the poor is not just someone that doesn't have finances. In the kingdom, the poor is someone that is not in the kingdom, someone that doesn't have Jesus. Because when you have Jesus, you have all the riches you need. There is people that have Jesus in Skid Row that are more joyful than we are sometimes. And so poor is not about finances or things. It is those that realize that they don't have Jesus. So without him, they're poor. Then they recognize that they need something. And that response is the good news. And it's Jesus. It's always been about him. The father's heart is to see Jesus be magnified, glorified, and worshipped by the entire creation of this earth. Do you know that? It is the Father's burning desire that Jesus would be known all across this world by every heart that lives on earth and that has lived and that will live on earth. The job of the enemy is to contradict the heart of God. 
The heart of God is for Jesus to be known. The job of the enemy is to contradict that very desire and say Jesus is not enough. Jesus is not the solution. Jesus is not the answer. Jesus has failed us. That is the answer of the enemy, the contradiction of the burning heart desire that, that the Father has for his son, Jesus Christ, to be the, the center of everyone's life. And you see it now today. You see what's happening is everyone has driven away from Jesus Christ, and now we have all of this stuff happening. And what? The church is to stand up and say, the answer is still Jesus. It hasn't changed for 2,000 some years. The answer is still Jesus. I was talking with people this week as well. I talked to uh, a couple of my African-American pastor friends that I have, and I wanted to get their perspective of what they thought. They, they had the same sentiments as I did, that the answer still will be Jesus, that everyone in this world, both on, on one side or the other or in the middle, whoever, the answer is still Jesus. What did, the, what did the persecuted church do in the beginning of the church history? They were being beaten. They were being killed. They were being crucified. They were being burned alive. They were being put in jail. What was their response? Their response was to be quiet, to march, or to put a hashtag up? No, their response was, let's keep preaching Jesus. What the enemy has done in our time, though, is he's, he's isolated the church. He made the church a country club. He made the church only where, where certain people are allowed to go and to be a part of. And he isolated the church. Completely isolated the church. And in that isolation, the church began to try to control and to grab a hold of the people that were in there. And now the younger generation doesn't believe in the church, doesn't believe some of you that are younger than me are, I mean, you guys are awesome that you guys are, are seeking God. But if you look around you and the friends that you had growing up in church, most of them have walked away because they've been hurt. So the enemy, he's had a field day with the church and with society. I think it's time, and I think it's a reason why God called us to be a church to be in his body. He's called us right now for this time. There's a purpose for us right now, this moment. What Amen. will you do? Amen. What will I do? How will we respond? How will we, you know, treat those around us? Will, will we have compassion? Will, will we see our coworkers differently from now on? Will, will we see the people that were walking down the street? Will we see them differently from now on? Will we see the, the police officers or, or, or the people that just live around us in our community? Will we be the, the light? Will we be different? I was telling the guys on Friday because we had our men's gathering, and I was telling them, we're going to get weirder and weirder as time goes by. Why? Because we're going to be joyful when there's no joy. We're going to have peace when everything is in turmoil. We're going to have love when there's so much hate. But that's the answer. It's Jesus. It's always been him. Amen? Amen. He said, I came to proclaim that the captives will be released. Again, people that are captive by, by sin or by darkness, that he came to release.
released them. People that are blind, he came to give them sight. And not just literal, these could be literal things, but I'm talking about something spiritual where the blind will see. We'll see what? We'll see the glory and the uh, magnificence of Jesus. They will see that the oppressed will be set free. That, that hit me hard because how can, the, how can the oppressed be set free? By, by, by policy? Maybe, perhaps. But, but if it comes from, from God, someone that, that, that you know, like the, the church in, 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 in the early time of history, they were oppressed, but they were free. You get what I'm saying? So the government at, at, in that time oppressed the church, but they were free. Because no matter what outside sources try to do, if you're free inside, you're free indeed. Amen? And that time of the Lord's favor has come. You know, one thing that I didn't want to do is I didn't want to react. Like, I don't think a church or any church, the Church of Christ, I don't think we should be reactive. I think we should respond, but we should keep doing what we've been doing because it's been working for 2,000 years. Preaching Jesus, showing Jesus, communicating Jesus with our actions and with our words. Amen? That's what we should be doing. And that's what we will continue to do. Go to... uh, Chronicles, hold on, I'll show you right now. Yeah, just put it up. You don't have to go to it. Just put it up, Emma. I'll read it to you guys here. I think it's 2 Chronicles 7.14, if you need it. Um, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. See, Cynthia talks about prayer, how important. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins. And heal their land. I think God has given us us this responsibility here. To pray, to seek his face, and to see him heal our land. He's given us that responsibility. So as you can see, prayer is not just it's not just a passing thing. It's a it's a relationship with God, it's an intimacy with God. And he says, Seek my face. If we keep seeking him, if we keep praying. If we keep asking him to, to heal our land, he will. And I believe that he will. I believe what's happening here, if I could just speak about it prophetically, I feel like what's happening in our, in our time right now is that God is getting ready to release like a revival in our land that, are, that is going to bring a lot of souls into his kingdom. That's what I believe. God is doing. You know, the enemy has a plan to destroy the, the uh, you know, the, the, the notion of God and kingdom and Jesus. He's trying to destroy that, that, that thinking. But God always has a plan. And, and the enemy always overdoes it. And what is going to happen is our people are going to, uh, the people in this country are going to seek out for for love and for joy, and they're going to seek out for answers. And we have to be ready to respond. And we know who, who the answer is. We know it's Jesus. I know it's important that we also, that we also move in a direction. There's a generation that's coming up after us that are younger right now. There's, there's 
there's kids. We have kids in there. We have two kids in there, but we have kids. Um, and um, there's a generation that's coming in, and how we respond as the church, how we teach the next generation, uh, we stay grounded in the word of God. All of those things, we're going to see how, how this generation will grow to be powerful and more united than we have, than we have, have ever been. Amen? Talking to um, those friends that I told you about, um, uh, particularly one of them, uh, we have like this desire to just get together. He pastors a, a predominantly African-American church, and both of us just had this desire to just get together one of these days, both churches. And, you know, we might worship differently, we might preach differently, but we're worshiping the same God. And we're preaching about the same God. And it would just be awesome to just get together with different people, different ways, but the same God. Worshiping the same God. And so we're going to do that. Um, but I urge you, I want to challenge you, especially this week. Talk to someone. Put yourself out there. Talk to someone. Bless someone. And just ask them, how, how are you? And, and what do you think about what's been going on? People are going to talk. They're going to come out with it because everyone is talking about it. And when you come with this whole Jesus stuff, it, it's going to impact lives. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.